All right, I'm going live. Let's get the Facebook going. Yeah. Okay, I'm live and I hopefully don't have audio feedback. We'll just do a little check-in on the 47 bazillion different channels we are broadcasting on. Live now. You know what we can do? We can look at the Discord chat. You can see me testing, trying to get a response. Is this being heard? And I'll also head on over to YouTube and refresh and see if the chat is going on there. Those seem to be the two biggest uh, chats we've got going right now. By the way, I'm John Park. I didn't introduce myself, and this is my workshop. And uh, today, I have a special treat. Oh, I don't see it live yet. All right, not live yet on the face or on the YouTube. Facebook, how you doing? Facebook has a preview. Facebook has a go live. There we go. We're live on Facebook. Okay, I seem to be live somewhere. <clears throat> so we'll take a couple minutes to make sure that uh, all of the different streaming places. Oh, live in Australia. All right, great. Cool. Thanks, Agent Smith. On YouTube. On Facebook. On Twitch. On Periscope slash Twitter. I think those are all the places that we're broadcasting now. And, uh, hmm. It's mighty mysteriously dark in the workshop today, and that's because I have a Halloween project. It's also an Adabox 5 project, so I'm excited to uh, show you guys that. Oh, good. Okay, so thank you, Agent Smith. It looks like we are live. Thanks, Charles Burnaford. You can hear me. Uh, and I'm trying to get my YouTube to show up so that I can check that chat, too. So, again, bear with me for a moment as we... Aha, there it is. Had to go to our main page. And let me pause there. Okay. Hi, everyone. Who do we have in YouTube? We have all kinds of people. Too many to name. Hello, Olan Skill. What up? What up is cool Halloween project today. Or not just a Halloween project. It can be a any time of year project, actually. I don't want to limit us. Um, Marco, you have a similar workshop? That's rad. Uh, hello from Mexico, Oscar. Can you please enable the settings and subtitles? Hmm. I think we'll enable the subtitles after this goes, uh, after it's done going live and it gets recorded. I don't know that we can do that here, but I will look into that. Not right now, not today. Um, but it looks like that chat's working, so I'm going to say that's a success. We have chat. Oh, I just lost that window. 
I'm split between quite a few windows there. Oh, Twitch is live now, too. Hi, Twitch. I don't think I can chat. You know what? I don't think we've got too many chatters going on over there on Twitch. Everyone's mostly in Discord. Uh, Martin Play, yes, this is going to be a Raspberry Pi project today. It's going to be the Pi Zero. It would also work with the Pi W or any Pi, actually. Um, but before I start with that, let me just talk about what I've been up to. Oh, I've got to hide the video. I'm going to see myself on delay, and that's freaky. So what I've been up to since last week, I have built my CNC kit, CNC router that I was working on. I posted a, uh, an unboxing video, so you can go and check that out on the Adafruit channel. We also played it last night on Ask an Engineer. And uh, that will show you what the parts were as I pull them all out of their, uh, out of their boxes. Eight boxes worth of stuff. And then I built it. So the build I have filmed. I recorded that. Uh, and I have about, I think it took about 16 hours just looking roughly at the time codes on the videos that I did. So um, the final video will not be 16 hours long, I promise. I'm going to have uh, a little bit of work for getting that down into something concise, but still um, worth checking out. And then I've got some CNC routing projects that I'll be working on. So um, Blue Woomi, yes, this project would work with the Model B. The guide I'm doing is geared towards the Pi Z, Pi Zero, um, but there's no reason you couldn't do it with, the, with any Pi. And if you're using other Pis, you won't need as many accessories like OTG adapters and things like that. So it would actually be a little easier in some ways, but it's tiny and cheap the way we're going to do it. So, uh, next bit of business. I've been getting ready for Maker Fair in New York, which is on the 23rd and 24th of September. I think I have those dates right, and that is the weekend following this one in New York City at the uh, Hall of Science and the, uh, what's the park there in Queens called? Someone remind me what the park there in Queens is called. Um, and I'm excited about Maker Fair. It's really big, fun, huge Maker Fair. And I've got a talk I'm going to be doing on Sunday at the Central Stage at 11.30 on mystery boxes. So you've seen me build a bunch of mystery boxes and escape room puzzles. So I'm bringing... Um, oh, let me, let me see if I can get the chat to show up. Hey, chat. There you go. Um, so... I've got, I think, five of my mystery boxes that I'm bringing, or pieces of them if they were too big to bring. And I'm going to talk about those and talk about some of the common uh, themes that you see throughout the different puzzles that uh, I've built and how you can use those in different escape room or uh, puzzle or prop type of effects, stage effects, magic tricks. There's a lot of uses, Halloween haunts, things like that. Uh, so please come by and check it out. There's a lot of good stuff going on at Maker Faire. Very excited about that. Also, I'm working on a CNC uh, build for that, and um, that'll be something that I'll show off as I, as I work on it and when I go online. Um, am I hearing feedback? My speakers are off, right? You shouldn't be hearing me. Let me turn off these headphones. Oh, maybe those were making. How's the audio? Good? Um, Charles Burnford, why don't you do one-hour parts and put them in playlist? Corona Park in Queens. Thank you. Um, one-hour parts. Oh, so that's referring to the CNC build. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, maybe I can do two versions. One that's like a concise, here's what it's like to build the CNC in five minutes or less, and then maybe I can do some, uh, some chunks for a little more detail. We'll see. Uh, okay, so let's get to it. So the project, I'm actually going to show it to you first. So let me get ready to switch 
the lights off and let me go to a workshop camera. Spooky enough for you. So this is a portrait, a family portrait, of my great-great-grandfather, the Reverend William Edgar Park. And an interesting thing about this portrait is that if you look closely, you may notice that William isn't always sleeping. In fact, he just opened up his eyes. Let me go ahead and put this in slideshow mode. And I have this set to every 15 seconds. It'll update the picture in the frame. As you can guess, this isn't actually haunted, but is instead a living picture. Sort of like a Harry Potter effect if you've ever been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So let me go to a close-up cam here. Make sure that my... <laughs> so the idea behind this, of course, is to create an effect that looks like a real painting that you can hang in the hallway in a haunted house or just in your regular everyday house or in your office and have people pay not too much attention to it, uh, but every once in a while they may notice out of the corner of their eye that something has changed. Uh, so. Part of the nuance of this is setting the delay to be long enough, and I've got it at 15 seconds right now, which is actually fairly quick for this sort of thing, just so that we can watch it change. But if you set this on a pattern of every minute or two, people are probably not going to be watching it the moment it changes. So it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool effect. Um, and it's not that hard to do. So the first thing, I'm going to jump all the way ahead to the end. I'll let you know, I'm writing a guide, uh, I'm just about done writing a guide that we're going to publish in a few days for building this project. And this project is built with the Adabox 05. And we'll get into what those parts are in a minute. Um, but jumping ahead to kind of the end of it, what I think makes this sort of thing very effective is the lighting. It's probably the most important part. So you can see right now it's lit fairly evenly uh, from the frame, which we know is like a real object with light bouncing off of it, to the image itself, which is actually just a 32-inch HD TV that is uh, emitting light. And so for this sort of thing to look good, what you need to do is tune the settings on the monitor so that they blend well with the lighting. And I've got, you can see here, I've got very specifically lighting that's hitting the frame and not creating any reflection. So I'm not lighting things that are on the other side of the room. And I'll, I'll spoil it all in a minute and show you what, what happens if you don't light it carefully. Uh, but you can even see, if I block this light, it'll appear to glow, right? Now this does not look like a painting. This looks like a television image. But when we get, and I actually think looking at this in, in my monitors, I don't know how it looks for, for yours, you've got, um, I've got a little bit too much saturation in the color for it to be believable. Let me switch back to uh, a wide shot of it. Where's my wide shot button? Oh, hi, that's me. Is that the wide shot? That's the wide shot, yep. Yeah. Um, 
So tuning the lighting of the LCD, setting it somewhere so that light and other reflections uh, or reflections of light from other objects don't spoil the effect, uh, and trying to balance the color and saturation and brightness between uh, some very specific small lighting that you're using to hit the frame, I think that's what sells this effect. Um, so let me spoil it for you now. Let's go ahead and uh, I'm just going to rotate the frame. Oh, terrible, right? So that's the, that's the effect of having things that can be reflected in it. And so everything within uh, visual effects or theme park design or Halloween haunt design uh, has to do with carefully controlling the lighting. So um, that's my segue actually to improve the lighting in here so that I can talk to you and show you this stuff. So um, we can come back to this lighting later if we want to, but uh, I'm going to turn on some lights so that we can... All right, how's that? Is that enough light? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, I'm going to turn off this one here because it's blinding me a little bit. And I can adjust the lighting a little more if we need to later. So, um, yeah, so Matambala says you definitely need a matte finish for the monitor. It's a great point. So you can see now that I'm getting some ambient um, reflections on here. A matte finish would be better. This is actually a pretty glossy one, so it requires more careful um, placement. I also had some mixed luck using a gel medium, which is kind of like a, a clear paint used for um, artists, or that artists use when they're painting. And if you're using a sacrificial monitor for this sort of effect, you could potentially uh, paint directly on it. I wanted to see what would happen if I got some brush strokes. Um, so I think it probably, yeah, so, so you can see there, you can tell where it is because of, because um, I'm holding it and it's partial. But using a gel medium like this or some other sort of matte deadening spray uh, works really well head on. It cuts some of the glare. Uh, and to use this properly, I actually got to brighten the image a ton from underneath. So I actually turned the backlight all the way off on the LCD for this type of lighting that I showed you before. If you're going to cover it with this, then you'd actually pop the lighting up a little more. But the nice thing is that you see a little bit of texture and brush texture in it, which helps sell the effect. Uh, again, if you've ever gone to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in, in uh, California or in Florida, I don't know if they have another one yet in the UK, I don't know. Um, they have paintings like this, and they're actually running video on it, just like in the books and in the movies. There's, there's moving characters moving in and out of their frames. And they've done a really, really nice treatment on it with almost like a crackalure effect, as if it's an old, I don't know, oil painting or, or acrylic or something that's warped and cracked over time. So theirs look beautiful. I didn't uh, match that look. But if anyone has any tips on that or experience with that, I'd love to, love to know. Um, okay, so let's... Um, yeah, let me turn the full house lights on and then we'll talk about how it's built and how you can make your own. So first of all, I need a very long stick to turn the lighting on now because my CNC table is now in the way of that switch. So uh, pardon the disappearance for a moment while I attempt to get the lights on. Can we do it? Yeah. And this should continue to ruin the effect of the monitor, as you can see. So it's not the sort of thing that's going to hold up at all in a real uh, light, uh, brightly lit room. Um, you can see we're getting reflections of just about everything. I'll try to minimize them a little bit there. And actually, let me grab my... Um, so as you can tell, one of, the, one of the things about this effect is that I've rotated the entire image uh, 
90 degrees from what's normal on a monitor, which works great, but the menus don't go along with it. So I'm using the remote from the TV, it's this Vizio TV. Now I have to turn my head sideways to kind of navigate properly. Um, so I'm gonna go to the picture and I set my own, I, 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 like I said, I turned the uh, backlight entirely off and then I fiddled around with pretty much every other setting to get it into something I liked that matched the lighting. Um, but what I'll do is I saved all that as a preset and if I go, there we go to like standard or calibrated or vivid. Let me see what looks good on the screen for you guys. That's pretty good. So that's the calibrated dark. I think that looks pretty good. About calibrated. Yeah, calibrated dark looks pretty good. Uh, and now let's get out of that menu. Okay. So, uh, parts. Let me turn this little camera around here to use as an overhead. And then we can talk about what's inside. Uh, so you saw I have, actually, let me flip this around. So uh, I've put this on a mounting arm. And obviously, the effect to really sell well needs to be on a wall with no visible wires. So it's easy right here in the workshop. You'll see in the images in my guide what I did was I actually have um, a spot in the house where there's an outlet up high meant for hiding the cords when you mount a TV on your wall. So I mounted this over that so that uh, you can plug in because essentially the only thing we're plugging in is the TV uh, or the TV and the Raspberry Pi. What I actually uh, found was pretty cool with this TV is that it has an H, uh, sorry, it has a USB output on it. Um, and let's see, can I move this? You know, I'm gonna use this camera again, sorry. Um, there's a USB port on the TV and I was able to plug the Raspberry Pi into that to get power. So um, here's my Raspberry Pi. Let's see, can I get overhead? Okay. Let me loosen this up. Uh, and I'll explain first in a second why this thing is entirely exposed and fairly uh, dangerous. So you probably don't want to do it this way. But so here's my Raspberry Pi. And uh, what's cool with this one is the Adabox 5 comes with the Pi Zero and the Joy Bonnet. So you saw earlier I paused and advanced the images. Um, which is really, really cool because often in these types of headless display, or not headless, but inputless um, scenarios where you're using a Raspberry Pi connected to a TV to be a player, like a slideshow player or a video looper, uh, you have to go to a computer uh, and SSH into it using wireless, or you need to have a wireless keyboard and mouse or trackpad or something like that, um, which is useful for a lot of things, but I was able to use uh, only the buttons on this display inside of the uh, image viewer that uh, that I um, configured for this. So we got these controls um, and I'm running just off of USB power for the Pi Zero right there and then I'm going into the HDMI. Um, I mounted, this is the uh, on-off uh, input brightness contrast, like the little button row that's on the, the original monitor. I mounted these down here just with some um, double stick tape. And up here is the infrared so that I can kind of poke the um, remote around the corner to, to use that. So here's the original 
I'm going to switch cameras again. Let me point that there for a second. Be nice to have about three more cameras so I could have these a little more permanent. Let me switch back to this view. Um, so here is the original backing on the case of the TV. And I don't have it right here, but there's also a little bezel. And so what I was going for here was as thin as I could possibly get, which is essentially the farthest thing sticking out uh, are the little mounts. And which you know is the case, that's where the mounts are on here, plus maybe just a little bit, a couple millimeters. Uh, but it's all of this bulk here that wouldn't allow the frame or the uh, TV to set inside of the frame. So I actually uh, took a frame and cut it down smaller. You could maybe luck upon, maybe they sell these, I don't know, they might sell standard sizes. Whoop, sorry camera. Uh, standard sizes that work on uh, televisions, but probably not. So you've got kind of two options. You can find a frame that's bigger and mat it. So set the TV back a little bit and put a matting that's cut exact to size. It's a pretty common way to, to frame things. Or do what I did, which was I measured the uh, frame pretty precisely and then took an old frame that I got at the thrift store. Um, and I'll show you. This was, I think it was like 20 bucks maybe for this frame and painting, which I don't love the painting, but I don't know. We have it now. I might see if one of my kids likes it. Um, free piece of canvas, if nothing else. And uh, so I cut that down to size, and I was able actually to fit it right inside the lip, right up to the edge. And this is another thing that I think helps sell the effect, is that we go pretty much from edge to edge. I have a little bit of a black room visible in some spots, but again, with the, the darker lighting, the shadows of the, of the frame, sort of the uh, ambient occlusion that happens right there, uh, again, excuses that it doesn't go all the way up to the edge. I would love if I had gotten it all the way up to the edge, but I would have needed to route the channel out a little wider on the frame. Um, so let's see. Let me just check the chat, see if you guys have any questions at the moment about our haunted frame. Uh -huh. <laughs> I thought those pumpkins were frightening last night, too, but uh, maybe more frightening than this. Uh, Agent Smith, Eyes Following You. That is a really cool project. And actually, Tony uh, DeCola, Tony D at Adafruit, did a project a few years ago that is a pumpkin and a skull. They're CG, um, or they're frames from CG, but I think they're probably real-time CG, that uh, follow you uh, just with the head. I don't think there are eyes on either of those, but they, they follow you based on some um, head tracking. So it's a much more elaborate software-wise project than this. So definitely check that out. And maybe it'd be cool to combine these. Um, and good. How about YouTube? Where'd you go? YouTube. Did I lose you? Oh, that was over there. Let me, let me waltz over here for a second to the YouTube. I hate to neglect any of the people watching. And let's see. Freaky picture. Hey, that's my great-great-grandfather you're talking about there. Uh, Marco Vladimir, yeah, probably I've, ex I've, I've answered your question, but it's a Raspberry Pi Zero. And David Smith says that the Harry Potter theme park in the UK uses actual mag magic. Okay, that makes sense. They wouldn't, they wouldn't use technology or video screens because they have access to the real stuff, the real magic. That's cool. Uh, let's see. 
You say my video bandwidth is dragging? I hope not. I look, I look to be healthy today on video bandwidth, but uh, lagging. Uh, animating as if it were talking. Yeah, so you could do pretty much any, anything you could do a video of. So if it's hand animated stuff, uh, here I took a real painting, took a photo of it, and then I in Photoshop did a painting of eyelids over his, eyelid, over his eyes for the eyes closed, and I did um, just some little bit of warps to make him look away slightly. But yeah, you could do full video, you could do a real video shoot of live action, you could do something like that and then treat it with filters to look more like a canvas. Uh, there are a lot of tutorials for that online, so, so check out, uh, if you just look up like living portrait Harry Potter stuff, there's even a company I found that sells uh, prepackaged ones, and they're not that expensive, so if you do something like this and just want to buy a portrait of a character who's sitting still and then suddenly screams, uh, that's a common um, prank that you'll see on YouTube. There's a bunch of those from this one company, and they look pretty good. Um, Okay, so getting to the nitty-gritty, what application am I using to run the slideshow? So let's um, switch back over to workshop and overhead. Where's the overhead on that? I don't see the overhead on that. Do you? The overhead fallout? Oh, I killed it. Okay, hold on. Oh, I just made that fully overhead. Cam main. I've ruined everything. Oh, that's back. Okay. So this is workshop. And this should be overhead. Well, that just wants to be overhead. Alright, we'll work with that. So uh, here's the hardware I've got. I'm gonna move this camera for a second, so excuse me. And Something like that. There we go. So I uh, prototyped this and, and built the... Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry, this camera mount is sagging. Come back. Uh, so I developed the thing on a little monitor, and that was just mostly so that I could document it and take photos as I went. Uh, but, yeah, one of the fun things is just mounting this on the wall maybe even before uh, you've gotten your... Um, uh, frame on it and doing the development. So here is a look at what hardware we're running on. So I've got this little monitor that I used for development and then I've got a Raspberry Pi Zero and this is the Joy Bonnet sitting on top of it uh, which plugs into all the GPIO pins and allows us to control things. Um, I have power just running, in this case, to a, a wall outlet converter, 5 volt. And I've got a uh, little hub here. You won't need all this stuff once you have it built, but you do need this when developing. developing. This is kind of a common thing with Pi Zero, since there's just one data port that you can use. This one here is the only data port. That one's just a power port. 
So this little micro USB, you need to generally use some sort of an uh, on-the-go adapter that adapts that up to a regular sized uh, USB, and then a hub, and in this case I've got a hub that also has Ethernet. Uh, and this is helpful because you're going to be installing software and you're also going to be uh, getting images onto the device. So if you want to get those images on there without using uh, the web browser, um, you can use a Samba. You can create a Samba share on your network. Um, so, uh, and then an HDMI. So that's the hardware that's running it. Um, the software that I'm using, let me switch cameras again. Oh, and tell me, is this the, oops. Is this the view that's lagging? I'm noticing lag. Ah, hold on one second. I think I screwed up a setting on that one. This will be fun to diagnose for a second. So cam main, you're running at, no, he's at 1280. 1280 by 720, which is what I'm broadcasting at. Let me just switch the frame rate. Um, yeah, there's a slight chance that that guy is getting hot. I'm going to go ahead and open the garage door, the shop door, as I call it, since this hasn't been a garage in a decade. Let's see. It's a, I think it's a little cooler outside today than it is in here. And this way I won't have to um, turn on the air conditioner, which is a little loud. All right. So, wow, that's overexposed. Let me fix this camera. And, okay, so um, software-wise, what I'm using is a, uh, so I'll give credit where credit is due. There is a um, guide that I followed, so you'll see this once I publish the tutorial. Let me switch over to um, view here where you can see a preview of the tutorial. Okay, Haunted Portrait, and there's our little contents, there's my notes to myself. This is what it looks like while you're mid-project. I like to leave these little alerts so I tell myself what I'm supposed to put in there. Uh, parts and materials and so on. Um, the Where's the guide I mentioned? I think it's here. Let's see. No, it must be on the first page. So the guide I found, uh, I just, has, had just Googled um, slideshow player or picture frame using a Raspberry Pi. And I want to find it so that I can give credit to the guy who wrote it because it's excellent. But where is it? Where did I put it? Follow this guide? No, that's soldering. Oh, it must be in the overview. Clearly, I would have thought to put it in the overview. No. If you just play this back later, you'll have the guide sooner than published. So there's a, a bonus. Yeah, information on installing your OS. Seriously. This must be where I said it. It gets, gets you to get some sample images. That's what you'll test out. I swear it's in here. 
no, it's too late. Well, <laughs> you'll see it in the final guide, but there, there was a guide I found, and uh, essentially, that's a long way of saying this, uh, this guy who created it came up with a uh, method of using a piece of software that's an image playback software that you can run from the command line. It's called Feh, F-E-H. And uh, Feh is often used as, I think, the background image manager on Linux, uh, different li Linux distributions. Um, but let me switch over to uh, the overhead cam, and I will show you a couple of the things you've been doing. I'm not going to step through all the software on here, because that, that's probably something better, uh, better done in your own privacy of your own home. But uh, if we can, I'm just going to zoom this guy down here like so. And I would do this from an SSH on my other computer, but then we can't see the graphical things happen. Um, so that's pretty good. I don't, yeah, I bet that's not focused though. Let me step it up just a little bit. You don't really want to see me type anyway, so I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. Um, okay, so the key thing here is this. Um, actually, let me show you this Joy Bonnet thing first. So Joy Bonnet is set up so that it has key bindings, sort of like how my uh, other project that uh, that I built for the uh, camera switcher works. It's it's sending, uh, kind of sending. It's not HID. Uh, I think it's using key commands, a different a different method. But we have a Python script that um, Phil B developed to use this as a um, joystick for emulation station or RetroPie emulation. And so I went in and bound the keys to things that mean things inside of FET. So if we do uh, look at the manual for Fe, do I have a mouse on here? I do, okay. And one benefit of using these monitors vertically is you can make really long command windows. Um, so <coughs> there are options that we use when we launch. I'll talk about that a little bit. And then there are also these uh, key commands that you can use once the player is running. Uh, so let me find that section. Keys. So, for example, uh, M. I have M on there. M toggles the menu. Uh, so there's a little menu that you can actually use on this image viewer. I'll show you that in a moment. Uh, if you want to go and check like the name of an image or zoom it or something like that, you can actually get around and navigate using some of these keys. So I actually set uh, the B button, or the A button rather, right here to be the uh, next image. And I think that's space or N for next image and so on. Uh, so let me, let me give you a little demo of that stuff in action. I think you can, yeah, it's probably a, a pretty good view of it. Uh, so get out of here. Can you see that? Yeah, okay, so in my uh, main user directory, I have this shell script that's called start picture frame. Um, let's look at that for a second. So this is uh, taking the uh, X11 display and sending it to it this fat command. And then the flags I have on here, I've, I've left the long name versions of them so that people, when they open this in the tutorial, will understand what's going on. Uh, quiet, I think that's, uh, might be, I don't actually know what quiet is. We have hide pointer that hides the cursor. 
uh, preload the images, uh, fill screen so it fills at the full size. And what I recommend is make your images the full size. Actually, if we have time, I'm going to show you uh, turning another, prepping another image for this. But you want the same resolution, so 1920 uh, tall and 1080 wide, which is the opposite of normal. So I should say 1080 by 1920 is the resolution we want. And then we have a slideshow delay in here, 15 seconds. Um, how about I'll change that? So um, what's this guy called? Start start picture frame. Um, and let's change that to like a three second delay. How about? Do I have a cursor? There it is. Oh, this is one long line. You can't go down to there. Three. Looks good. Save it. And uh, let's... Uh, okay, so to run this, I'm going to just say bash start picture frame. Uh, and so one of the things I show in the tutorial is you've written this shell script that uh, runs the image player. Uh, you actually want it to start up automatically uh, when, let's see, do I, do I have a combined view still? There I am. Okay, sort of. I broke the other one. Um, so we want the image player, this fa script that's been written, saved as a shell script, we want that to run automatically when the screen boots up. So when you're building things like this, if it's for a theme park or a haunted house, you want it to be as bulletproof as possible. So if there's a power surge or power outage, if someone from maintenance needs to unplug it to plug in the vacuum cleaner, hopefully they don't, but these things happen, uh, you, want, you want the thing to boot up automatically. So in this case, since I'm powering the Pi off the TV, uh, as soon as the TV has power, um, and that's actually live as soon as it's plugged in, not just when the TV is uh, itself turned on, then the uh, Raspbian Linux is going to boot up, and then it's going to boot up the uh, uh, desktop environment. Uh, what are we using? Light, uh, LXDE. Is that it? And uh, as soon as LXDE finishes, and you could do this so that that never came up and you'd never see a Raspberry Pi logo or anything, um, but this is the way I chose. And so when it starts, it will automatically run this, uh, this shell script. So uh, now take a look if I that's probably a good way for you to see this. So if I hit the start button, you can see right now every three seconds he's, he's changing his gaze or closing his eyes. So I'll wait for them to be closed. Okay, so if I press the start button, it actually pauses. Um, so the reasoning behind that is maybe you don't want this effect to be happening at all for a little while. And then maybe you want to walk by and tap the button and, and have it start up. Uh, or at some appointed point in time, you just want to change it. So you, you press the next button and he's going to switch to the next image, and so on. Um, let's see, I can't remember what all these do. Uh, is Y the menu? It is. So that brings up a tiny little menu, and my uh, thumbstick can scroll through that menu. Uh, let's see if there's something on here I can do uh, that'll look interesting visually. You can change the sorting of it. Something I didn't try yet but would be cool is if you make multiple directories of images, you could use this menu or a button to switch your whole uh, slideshow set to a different uh, set of images, in, uh, which is nice. Um, let's see. So, let's see. Can I turn off 
Which one do I have as enter? I can't remember. Oh, that gets rid of that menu. That's the escape key. Oh, there we go. Okay, so so now I got I turned off auto zoom and now up and down arrows. I don't know why you'd want to do this in your Halloween mansion, but there you go. Uh, this is just tapping between zoom scales. Uh, and so obviously we're limited to a pretty tiny number of buttons on here. Let me see if I can restart the slideshow. I think this will restart... Uh, when I unpause it, he'll switch sizes. Yeah, so you, you actually need, just the way Fail works, you'd need to scale up um, all of them. Let's see if we can get that to work. Was it three? One, two, three. Oh, it might have been one too many. Let's see, do they stay big or do they reset each time? I think that maybe they're resetting each time. Uh, there's actually a button in that menu to save, and it saves the image, which is kind of scary. It actually overwrites it. That bit me one time. Uh, and then I can quit. I just have this one button. Again, don't know why you'd want that in there, but I, I just wanted to show some of the versatility of being able to map these things to the different keys that are used inside of Uh One other thing that I'd like to implement that I haven't is using um, the uh, one of the keys as a... Oh, gosh. There we go. Using one of the buttons on here as a tab key uh, because I think if you got out to just the desktop from having a hit escape... If you could hit tab, you could probably find your way through the menu to do something like a restart or whatever, uh, whatever you need to do without actually having a typewriter or a keyboard, uh, rather. So let's see. Um, ooh, someone has posted a nice 4K TV. Yeah, 4K would be amazing for this, right? I don't, I don't know if we have a Pi that can throw out 4K yet, but... Uh, that's a beautiful, like, it's a matted frame. Check out on the um, chat over on the Discord chat. An airplane is going by. Um, if you want to see what Yanisku7 has posted there, it's pretty cool. And let me go open up the uh, YouTube chat. And let's see. Yanni. Uh, Turinen, the mouth, you think the mouth moves so well? You might be seeing that, because I didn't do anything, or he might actually be haunted, who knows. Um, so, let's see, why don't we, what are you guys interested in seeing about this right now? That's the basics of the project. Uh, some of the other details are just like little Linux config things of how to change it so that there's no um, uh, overscan border on the display. Uh, another one is rotating it 90 degrees. So those are all little settings that uh, the guide will show you how to change. And um, it, it, there's a link that'll sh send you off if you wanted to do SSHing into it so you can get on it from another computer to do some of the, the typing and settings. Uh, so that's the basics of it. Uh, so I'm going to go over my computer. Let me know if you have questions in either uh, YouTube or Discord chat. And uh, I'll, I'll take a, a second to show you in Photoshop how you would go and prepare an image for this uh, as far as size uh, and manipulating the image. Um, so someone asked, uh, Guthman asked about the borders, getting rid of the borders. I think that's in config.txt. So let me, um, I, don't, I hope this is clear enough that it's meaningful for, for you to see that. Um, and probably someone can answer this in the chat. But if you... Uh, Look at, I think it's in boot, config.txt. So this is a text file on your Linux installation. Um, and I think I'm guessing right that this is where it lives. 
uh, and the tutorial will tell us, so, so I'll go to that in a second. Uh, oh, so config.txt, I've got a line here at the bottom. That's my rotate display. So you can see here, display underscore rotate equals one. Um, so here, check this out. I'm going to make that three. Uh, so let me, let me edit that. sudo nano boot config.txt. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, using a Unix-like operating system, what I'm typing there is uh, sudo is allowing me to do a command that's normally protected, so it's, it means super user do. So normally you can't edit certain things or, or execute certain things. So this lets me say, okay, I know what I'm doing. I really want to edit this text file that could screw stuff up. So it's uh, use at your own risk. Um, and then if I head down, oh yeah, so someone saw it in here, right? The overscan settings usually still borders. Okay, so upside down, yeah, let's do that. So if I change uh, it's basically 90 degree increments that you can rotate. So it starts, the zero setting is, is normal, and then we go to 90 and uh, 180 and 270, is that right? So I'll make the display rotate three. This should make the display I'm looking at right here upside down when I restart. So uh, I will save that file. Uh, what did I say? Yes. Did I save it? Okay. And again here, look, sudo reboot, because it doesn't want you to normally reboot by accident. So it's trying to be nice. Uh, so here's the Pi. It's going to reboot. Actually, this will be cool. This will be the first time you see this um, system rebooting in its upside-down orientation, which is kind of hurts your head the first time you do it. Um, this is so the card that comes with the AdaBox 05 has noobs on it, which is I think it says for new out-of-the-box experience or system or software or operating system, something like that. Uh, the, the out-of-the-box experience basically lets you have a front end for installing Linux instead of having go and format your card elsewhere. Uh, it makes it really easy to get started. So uh, it'll install, oh, look, there it is, upside down already. Um, it'll install, uh, we just have uh, Raspbian Jesse on here, so it installs that operating system for you in the desktop environment, LXDE. Um, and uh, why was I saying that? I just lost my train of thought. But once, once you have that set up, you can go in and change these kinds of settings to um, uh, change like the overscan, like I said, and, and the uh, orientation. Uh, so the, yeah, another nice thing in Noob's setup is that it lets you pick your internationalization. This has always been one of these settings that you get a Raspberry Pi set up, and then you realize you're in a country other than the UK, and your keyboard is doing weird things. You go to press. Uh, I don't know, exclamation point, and you get a pound sign. So um, it's sometimes a little bit of a paradox how to even type things properly enough to get to where you can change those in the config. So uh, if you don't forget to do it during startup, there's actually a, a little drop-down menu that lets you, in my case, I said, uh, like, United States uh, keyboard layout and internationalization. Uh, so there it is, upside down. So now that's going to hurt my head, or I can, in this case, pretty easily. Oh, and you saw there, it just restarted uh, automatically. So I had it go into the desktop environment, but I didn't touch anything, and then it just ran the shell script. Um, so that's, there's a, uh, a little file called auto start, and we just uh, add a little call at the beginning of auto start that essentially says run this, this shell script that we created that tells Fa what to do. And there it's back. There, that's easy. I don't have to change anything. Um, so, uh, stuff with Kirby, you're uber late. Okay, just for, just for Kirby, because Kirby's awesome, I'm going to show you the, I'm going to turn the lights on and do this properly for a second, and then uh, I will 
go over to my computer and manipulate some images for a few minutes. So first, let me fix. Remember, I changed some menu settings to, uh, sorry, I'm spoiling the surprise for you, Kirby. I'm going to change that to the settings. So what I had said is one thing that's really important with these things is um, to match the lighting of the real frame and the room to the monitor. So I've actually turned the backlight all the way off. And uh, you'll see here in a second when I turn off lights and close this door, the uh, match of the lighting to the environment is and, and lack of reflections, because we're going we're gonna to turn this to where there won't be any. So you need to point this thing in just the right place, maybe at the end of a hallway, uh, a turn, like right at the turn of a hallway, um, so that the effect works. Because otherwise, a lit monitor will always look like a lit monitor. So there, there are some tricks we can do to try to make this work. So I'm going to close these. Do I have the lights off? No, let me turn the lights off while I can more easily. Turn that one off. That one might go back on. Let's see. Oh. All right. So let's Okay, and then I'm just going to adjust my camera so that you can see something other than the darkness. Okay, so that looks a little brighter on the camera than, than I'm seeing with the naked eye. I'm actually going to tune that a little bit so that that's about as bright as it looks in the room. And it looks a little bit less saturated in real life. So um, there you have it. That's, that's the idea behind the haunted portrait. So I'm using Raspberry Pi Zero. I have a auto-starting shell script uh, that runs FE, which is a command line based image software, which makes for a pretty good um, slideshow viewer. Uh, is he changing his eyes right now? I can't, we'll wait 15 seconds and see. I'll change them manually with the Pi. So I've got, oh, there he did it, okay. So I've got the uh, Pi Zero with the joy bonnet on it, and I've just got that back here. And so I can use that to uh, pause the slideshow. Oh, did I just hit the, I just hit that. Let me escape. Um, so I can pause the slideshow. That's a little menu that I have come up that you can use the joystick to get around. So if I pause the slideshow now, he's just uh, got his eyes open. Normal, that's the original painting. Um, and let me, I'll go ahead and zoom the camera over here for a second too. If you're doing a haunted uh, mansion, a haunted house kind of thing too, you might be doing some construction, which is great because if you can cut out drywall to drop this thing totally flush, that's awesome. That's what they do at theme parks is you don't see any bulge out from, from this mine. It's gonna, I, I hung it inside for the photos for the guide and that hangs off the wall a little bit so it's not as cool. People could peek back there. So you wanna either construct a little box to hide it or even better is recess it into a wall if you can. Um, but that's pretty extreme. So right now, I've, I think I've paused him, but if I go and hit the A button on the joy bonnet, that advances to the next image. It has about a second delay or so. And that's potentially just because of the memory constraints of the Raspberry Pi Zero trying to process a 1920, 1080, or 1080, 1920 image. Um, okay, so there you go, Kirby. I hope you 
dig that. Mouth movement would be cool. Sound would be creepy. Uh, someone asks, who is that? Is it a picture of an aged John? Yeah, it's my great-great-grandfather, actually. This is the, uh, the rever I think, the Reverend Dr. William Edgar Park from Belfast, Ireland. Um, he had a pretty sweet beard. So I'm going to turn the lights back on. And I hope my main camera isn't being too laggy at this point. Uh, I'll go ahead and open that shop door, too. And you'll see now, as this comes open, we get reflections, which is terrible. We are not bright enough compared to the ambient, so you'd, you know, you'd need to adjust things. But there's only some lighting conditions where this type of effect is going to work. That's just a, a fact of emissive versus reflective uh, light. So I'm going to come over here to this, and let's... Um, Take a look at some image manipulation. We have about nine minutes, so I'll also try to keep an eye on the... Let me open Photoshop here. I'll try to keep an eye on the chats. Let me know if you have suggestions or questions. Um, I'm also going to be working with a pretty tiny Photoshop, which is always weird. So let's see how this goes. All right, so there's a Photoshop. And you actually won't see some of the menu items, so I'll just talk, talk you through this. Let me find, I actually, so there is a uh, matching portrait for William here, which is his wife, Susan. And my parents have the portrait of Susan. So I asked them to take a uh, picture of it for me and send that. I think it's an email from them. Pardon me for this. I didn't have time to set that up. So I need to download an image of Susan, and then I will try to prep it for display on here. I don't think we'll get it up onto the display on time, but maybe that'll, that'll make its way into the guide. And let's see. Here it is, Susan Edgar Park. Oh, maybe William wasn't an Edgar. Sorry, I lied. William Park was his name. Edgar, she was the family that brought Edgar into the, into the, the mix. All right, so here's a pretty good one. Download this. How's my audio? Am I still on? Yeah, looks good. And I'll save Susan to the desktop. Okay. So over here in Photoshop... Don't mind the mess. Just a lot of screenshots in there. Okay, so there's, a, there's, our, our, there's our Susan. And so what I'm going to do is first uh, change the image ratio to the, uh, the one that we're using. So I'm going to go into the crop tool and change this to 1080, 1920. Okay, so that gives me um, an idea of what part of this image I get to keep. So I can't have the whole thing. Uh, I would have to do a lot of reconstruction. Uh, so we're going to opt to just pick part of her for this portrait. And I'm constrained by the height. Uh, so I'll go something like that. And sorry you can't see my full, uh, full screen, so you're just going to see part of it. So I'll, I'll give you a scroll of that. Uh, 
Okay, so one thing you'll want to do is probably take out any, uh, when you take the photo, you don't want reflections uh, coming off of it like this if you don't think you're going to have a similar light source. Uh, in this case, since I've got little reflections on the canvas, I could put the lighting source that's hitting the frame up here and it actually would match. So if, if there's sort of environment lighting that's built into the image you're displaying, then you're going you're gonna to have one choice as to what the dominant uh, exterior light would look like in this case. Um, if you wanted to, you could, uh, oh gosh, my Photoshop is so tiny, I don't even see layers. Let me. It's weird when Photoshop gets squished. Oh wait, there's, okay, pop out layers, let's do that. So uh, one way to deal with that if you have to is just to create a layer with a um, darker colored brush and that's got some opacity on it and a very soft large brush and you can try to um, remove some of that specularity. So here I'll go and give myself like a 9% brush. And you can see get rid of that a little bit. And you could go to different modes. If you go to like a darkened mode, then you might only, uh, whoa, too much. Uh, you might take out only the specular but leave behind the, uh, the canvas grain, um, which is nice. You don't want it to get too flat. Um, but I'll, I'll just leave this alone. Actually, I'll, I'll just set this back to where I had it. What do I have? Uh, hey. Oh, turn you on. Okay, so that's looking a little better there. So you'd work on something like that. And then I think the other cool fun part here is going to be the eyes. So what I would do, um, it might be best to just duplicate the whole background. And then if we would need to make overall changes to Relator, we could mask it out so it's just the eyes. Uh, and so Puppet Warp is one kind of cool way to um, do this. I don't know if there's an equivalent. Usually there's an equivalent tool inside of um, GIMP if you don't have Photoshop. Oh, that's the wrong, sorry. So I'm just going to go and you, you can either lasso, grab something like this, uh, or if you hit Q, you can go into this masking rubolith type of mode uh, and then paint out your, your selection, which is easier than dragging um, a little brush around usually. Uh, so let's... Get some of the eye like that. Maybe even up into the lid a little. And I'm just going to try to change her gaze um, with the puppet warp. So the puppet warp is a deformer. It's uh, essentially a lattice deformer. So they may, you may have a lattice deformer in something like GIMP or another Im image manipulator if you look for it. Okay, so that's my selection now. Um, I'm going to hide that just so I don't look at those lines. And now I'm going to go to puppet warp, uh, which is under, oh, where do they hide this thing? Edit puppet warp. Does it not like that I'm hiding the... I guess it hides the lattice too. So it essentially builds this little mesh. Um, let me get rid of that one. So, okay, I'll leave it on. So uh, let's, oops, try to zoom in. Can I zoom in? There we go. Uh, oh, and I realized, you know, my cursor that you're seeing is not the same place where I'm putting it. So if you're wondering why everything's magically like two inches lower than what I'm doing, it's, it's just how the broadcast uh, capture is going. So what I'm going to do is use these to pin sections of the image that I don't want to move. Um, and this is a pretty small one, so it, it will probably distort a lot. But now let me hide that. Okay, so you can see what I'm doing is 
changing where she's gazing without ruining the shape of the eye because you don't want to, the lid uh, and the orbit all stay put other than maybe little bulges that can change here. Um, but I just want it to look like the eyeball itself has slid a little bit and is looking to the right. So I'm going to hit enter and let's zoom back out. And here she'll just look like she's looking at something nearer rather than farther. Right, so if I, if I leave that, then it looks like she's just refocusing her eyes, which is kind of creepy. Uh, or we could rotate both and it could, could be that she's looking off uh, to the side. So that, um, that's how I would uh, proceed in, in making different images. And then you could also paint them out and make creepy, well, let me show you, do I have a second? Uh, yeah, we're running out of time. So look at the guide when that comes out. Um, I'll head back over to the chat. I still have practice of how to do window capture. Did you not, were you not able to see that or is it just because of my cursor thing? Yeah, I think that's because I'm running this off a second monitor that has a different geometry and so it is uh, difficult to make that align. But um, yes, pretty cool. All right, if there are uh, any other questions in the chat, we have a minute. Uh, otherwise, I'll ask you to head to learn.adafruit.com in about a day or two, um, but you'll probably see it in the Twitter feed or on the blog when I've put out the guide for how to make the haunted portrait. A snake eye or alien option. Yes, that would be terrifying. Who said that? Seagrover. <laughs> You're right. I'm not going to do that to poor Susan. Maybe William gets that treatment. Uh, yeah, oh, one last thing. If you want to check out a really good source of inspiration on these, uh, Mr. Gacy or Gracie, Mr. Gracie is the character at the Disneyland Haunted Mansion who ages, uh, his face ages throughout the different portraits and uh, He's a pretty cool one. I did a little test on, on him. Looked great. Um, one view looks like four or three, huh? All right, we'll talk. Yeah, it's good. You got to tell me what's going on there. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. That's been the live stream. I'm John Park. This is my workshop. And I will be probably not broadcasting next week when I'm in New York for Maker Faire. But who knows? Uh, maybe I'll get to broadcast live from... Adafruit headquarters in New York. That'd be cool. So I'll keep you posted. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.